but when he gets that, then, then he will come to the earth. And so, uh, so if, that, if he hasn't come back yet, then there's still the, the church needs to be established. And everywhere they went to establish the church, where there was Jesus going to establish you know, the, the, the promise of the Messiah being there, or it was the uh, people in the book of Acts going to places where there, where there was no church. Everywhere that the, the, the Lord Jesus went, everywhere that the apostles went, signs and wonders and miracles and primarily healing occurred to get the church established. But it, it, it wasn't, that wasn't the only other time. You know, remember in Philippians chapter 2 where Epaphroditus was healed. Um, well, he was healed. He was part of the church. He was part of the ministry of Paul. Uh, so, you know, the, 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 for us, of course, primarily for the church, uh, healing faith is where we should be living, right? The faith that we are healed of God and we obtain it by faith. Whereas uh, outside the church, or even when you're establishing church, the, the gifts of healings is really what we, what we operate in, where we can lay hands on the sick or we can have the gifts of healings and manifestation because typically the receiving party doesn't have the faith for healing, so they need you to have faith for healing. And you can either have faith for healing, just in general faith that Jesus has given to us as the church, or you can have the additional faith of the gifts of the Spirit in manifestation in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. But all of it's really, you know, to, to not only establish a church, and that's really what the purpose of, of uh, healing as far as having other people involved in it. But then even, even if you're part of the church and you've had the teaching instruction for it, uh, there's still sickness and disease that comes into people's lives. Uh, and unless, uh, unless there's no more sickness and disease, then faith for healing still needs to be taught. Uh, now, if there was no more sickness and disease, there would be no need for supernatural healing. So, I, you know, I never have, I just have never understood, because to, to me, the word of God, the promises of God, they all make sense. They all kind of fit together. God's got a plan. He's always had a plan. From the beginning to the end, the plan is very clear and very simple, and at least in my mind, it's very clear and simple. He wants to bless us and to watch over us, take care of us. And I mean, that can't be any simpler than that. And that would have to include healing and, and protection and deliverance and, and uh, financial support uh, in any other way that the Lord sees fit to, to take care of us. Uh, and why the church fights it, you know, why, I don't know why the church. I mean, uh, it, it, some people are, are, you know, very adamant that God does not heal and will be angry with you if you said that God does heal. And, and, and some people, if you say, you know, it's always God's will to heal every single time. I mean, they would probably bust, bust a blood vessel or something if you said that to certain people. You know, how dare you say that, you know? Well, I didn't say it. God's the one who said it, right? And how many different scriptures do we read about that, right? Uh, and so it is God's will to heal every single time. There's never an exception. Uh, and even in our circles, the Pentecostal churches, charismatic churches, that statement alone would probably get you thrown out of some, some circles because... Uh, they don't, you know, they believe God can and God might, and sometimes God does, but every single time, there's no way. Sometimes God wants you to be sick. Uh, and, um, uh, I mean, even leaders in our circles, you know, I told you about uh, Reverend Donald G., who was always spoken highly of, uh, and the other writings that I've read of his, very good writings, you know, uh, but even he, he called it fanatical uh, uh, holding on to the fanatical idea that God wants to heal every single time. He called it a, f a fanaticism. I think, well, you know, it's funny because they always called him the ambassador of the Lord. You know, that uh, he, he, he was so uh, proper and, and, you know, how he stood and how he spoke, you know, and uh, very kind and very polite, you know, but then he calls, you know, us crazy people fanatics. You know, well, that's not very kind. Uh, and so... Uh, and when we get to heaven, I'm sure he'd be like, just forget I said anything. You know, just forget. All this stuff's pretty good, but that part right there, just forget it, you know. And he will because he knows now, now that, that he's in heaven. He's been in heaven for many years, of course, uh, decades, I suppose. Uh, and so uh, I'm sure you get to heaven and go, wow, yeah, Lord, I'm just sorry, you know. Sorry I ever wrote that particular book. Uh, but it was good to read it because it's, you know, I call it opposition research, you know. <laughs> Sometimes it's, fun, it's good to find out what the opposition says. Because I don't really know. I didn't grow up, you know, I didn't grow up in a, in a denominational church. So I don't, I don't, you know, I've never heard uh, what people don't believe, right? It was years really before I realized people don't believe in healing. And people would say things like God doesn't heal. And, and I looked at them like, what are you talking about? What do you, what do you mean by God doesn't heal? I mean, 
you surely don't believe that because I mean, to me it was just as simple and obvious that God wants to heal. And I think I told you when, when I started the church or started the healing school specifically, I called a friend of mine who goes to the first church of doubt and unbelief, you know. So tell me why you guys don't believe in healing. Because I don't really know. It didn't make any sense, right? Because I read the word of God. Everything I read is healing. In fact, Brother Hagin said every verse he reads is he's healing, right? God loves me. That's healing, right? God wants to bless me. Well, that's healing, right? God wants to deliver me. That's healing. I mean, you know, I know he, was, he wasn't meaning it from a legalistic standpoint. Well, you know, when it talks about, you know, the book of Leviticus or whatever, whatever, you know, uh, so-and-so begat so-and-so. There's no healing in that. Well, they got healed from having a baby, didn't they? And so, uh, I mean, he wasn't really being legalistic about it. He just sees it because he sees the goodness of God. And, and that's what I see. And I've always seen the goodness of God. So it's just, uh, it's, it's God's goodness, really, that, that, that provides healing for us. Uh, it's God's mercy. In fact, he calls them healing mercies sometimes, right? Uh, because it's a sovereign act on God's part that he desires to heal our bodies. He desires us for us to live a lives free of sickness and disease. Uh, that's his desire. Amen. Now, we know in, in just in general that, uh, of course, people think this is heresy, but God doesn't always get his desires met, right? Doesn't he desire that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth? He said those words, right? I desire that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Do all people get saved? Well, we know. All, I mean, there's no way all people get saved. We know that. That should, that, that would be, it should be an obvious statement. So that would tell us that then God's will doesn't get met on, in the earth. Now, some aspects of God are, God's will is sovereign, which means that it, it doesn't change based upon what we do. Uh, so anything that doesn't relate to mankind is sovereign. So when Jesus comes back, that's sovereign. But it does have an element of, of uh, dependency upon man in the sense that we've got to do our job and get the gospel into all the world. But, uh, I mean, if, but if, if we get the last person saved today, God may come back today. He may come back uh, 10 years from now. It's up to him, right? Uh, even if we do everything we're supposed to do, he still, it's, it's in his own heart when he's coming back. Uh, and we know, you know, one of the things that I realized in studying the word, you know, I, I was just studying about uh, Abraham and kind of the big picture of, of redemption and, you know, and I, and I started realizing, you know, the Lord created the, the whole universe in seven days. And, you know, I believe it was seven calendar days, right? Seven 24-hour periods. He created the, the universe. And people fight and argue about that as if, like, God's not able to do it, you know? I mean, why couldn't God do it in seven days if he wanted to? Couldn't he, couldn't he just, I mean, he's God, right? Is he limited? Is he somehow not in, unable to do anything? Well, no. So if he said he created in seven days, and he told that to Moses, right? Moses is the one who wrote the book of Genesis, Moses, pretty smart fella, educated in e Egypt. The Lord could have said, you know, over a millennial periods of time, right? Uh, and so well, people say, well, you know, the Bible says that a day is a thousand years. Okay, within well, 7,000 years. No, it was 7 billion. Well, there's nothing in the Bible says a day is a billion years, right? So it's just absurd, you know, people trying to not believe God. But, but he created the whole universe in seven days, but it took him about 4,000 years to complete redemption, really, from the book of Genesis. And Adam, as far as we can tell, only lived about 100 years before he fell in the garden there. Uh, and so from, a, from a year 100 to about 4,000 years later, when Jesus came, is how long it took redemption to be fulfilled. Uh, and, uh, of course, the Bible talks about in, in uh, uh, was it in uh, uh, Galatians 4.4, that in fullness of time, let's see if it's in Galatians 4.4, that uh, God said that he sent Jesus um, in the fullness of time, right? Uh, and so, is that where it's at? Uh, yeah, so in, in Galatians 4, 4, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son. So it took 4,000 years for the time to be fulfilled. And, and I was just meditating on it one day and, and realized the reason why it took 4,000 years for the time to be fulfilled for Jesus to come versus seven days for the, all, all of creation to be made was because creation required no input on man's side. But redemption required men to be involved. And anytime men get involved, everything slows down. Uh, and so, you know, you look at the, the bloodline of Jesus and, and, you know, how many crazy people were in the bloodline of Jesus. And they'd go off, you know, take a hang, hang or left, go to Kansas and God may have to spend five generations to get that back on track. Ten generations, you know, 20 generations. You know, it took him 20 generations just to find an Abraham. You know, we could have, it could have been, Jesus could have come back 
you know, whatever 20 generations, of course, 20 generations of that time was, was a lot longer than 20 generations of our time, but uh, Jesus could have come uh, probably a thousand years earlier uh, just uh, uh, if he could have found an Abraham in, in the first or second generation. But it took him 20 generations to find an Abraham to establish a covenant, which was kind of getting his foot back in the door of the world uh, in the covenant and uh, the discussion of the covenant of God. So it just, took, it just takes a lot longer when men get involved, right? And that's the reason why Jesus didn't come back because if you read the, the New Testament, in uh, especially the book of Acts, you realize these people kind of thought Jesus was coming back like tomorrow, like the day after tomorrow. You know, and that's one reason why, remember in the book of Acts, where they sold everything, right? Had everything in common. Well, that's great to sell everything. If you know Jesus come back tomorrow, sell everything, right? Have a party, enjoy life. But, uh, you know, quit your jobs and do whatever. But if, if he isn't coming back tomorrow, what are you going to do the day after tomorrow after you quit your job? How are you going to eat? The, you know, th- and you remember later on, Paul was traveling around the, around the world and he would say, well, we're going to receive an offering for the saints in Jerusalem. Why, why is he ever receiving an offering for the saints in Jerusalem? Because they sold all their stuff. They don't have any way to make any money, right? And so they're all broke in town of Jerusalem. We had to send money back to Jerusalem because none of, none of them are working anymore. Uh, and so, so, you know, uh, of course, the Lord never said he's coming back tomorrow. Uh, but a lot of people thought that, uh, and Paul said, you know, we're in the last days. You know, even Paul, you know, thought that God was, Jesus was going to come back minutes from now, right? And, of course, if we were in the last days when Paul was writing, we're in the last of the last days now, right? But uh, so, uh, you know, in, in all those things, you know, God, God's will gets done. Uh, and, and when man gets involved, things do slow down. Uh, and, um, you know, if how many people in a church, as far as the church worldwide, believe in the healing power of God? And, you know, if it's a small fraction but if you look at how the church was established in the book of Acts, every church in the book of Acts was established by the healing power of God. Some miracles or signs or wonders or, you know, things were being done. Uh, and so things were really fast back then. The gospel spread real quickly back then. But nowadays things are a lot slower because, you know, uh, we've got to do it through, through the means of, of uh, raffling and, you know, uh, giving away TVs or, you know, whatever, uh, bribing people to come to church uh, instead of using the power of God. And so... Thing, thing, uh, but the Lord, did he know all these things? He knew all those things. Does it, the, has he lost any sleep over it? He hasn't lost any sleep over it. Uh, things, things will continue to progress. They may progress slower than, than um, they could. They could probably progress faster if we would get on board with the word of God and follow his plan. Um, uh, and, um, uh, well, we could talk a whole lot more about that. But, uh, but we're, we're here talking about Paul's thorn in the flesh. And if you remember... Uh, let's turn over to Second Corinthians chapter twelve, because that's the uh, scripture. And and uh, you know, uh, this particular scripture in Second Corinthians chapter twelve has been a big foundation of a lot of doubt and unbelief. It's been a, the 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 rock the rock bed of why a lot of people don't believe in healing. And uh, you know, the the thing that's sad about this is this is not a hard collection of verses to understand. These verses are not difficult to understand or comprehend and if you spend even a little bit of time in study uh, instead of just reading kind of at the surface level if you spend even a little bit of time in study you would understand that that this is not talking about sickness and disease and so we know that we talked about the thorn in the flesh and that that phrase thorn in the flesh is repeated multiple times in the old testament and every single time that it's repeated in the old testament uh, what is the context of that thorn in the flesh always people every is there ever an exception no it's it, you know it you know it's not people over here and dogs and cats over there and the economy over here it's always people every single time so if that's the case and paul being a jew would have known all those things then if paul is, is using that phrase a thorn in the flesh because it wasn't really a physical he didn't have a barb sticking out out of his side there right it wasn't a physical thing that you could see so it was a phrase right it, it, it meant something else uh, you know, kind of like a parable. Uh, and so uh, when he said thorn in the flesh, then, you know, he's talking about something other than a physical, you know, uh, sharp object in his side. And so a lot of people say, well, he was talking about sickness and disease. Uh, and they use the scripture over there in Galatians that said that, he, that people would, would give their very eyes to him, uh, pluck out their very eyes for Paul's benefit. And, and that and that's. It's the scripture in Galatians 
that people use to say that this is talking about sickness and disease because these verses in 2 Corinthians 12 do not mention sickness and disease at all, right? That there's no sickness, there's no disease mentioned in here. I mean, the word infirmity is there, but we know we read several scriptures about the word infirmity. Sometimes the word infirmity is talking about fleshly weaknesses. And, you know, Paul, uh, from the context of this, you know, a lot of things he could put up with, the people that were annoying to him wasn't a strong area of his life. Uh, you ever notice that in your life, right? Um, you could put up a lot of things, but, you know, if someone says something about, you know, uh, the Redskins or, you know, whatever, their, their football team, don't you say nothing about my football team. Well, well why is that? Because they're weak in that area, right? Uh, over here, nope, not, you know, pretty good. But you talk about their mama, I mean, you know, they're, they're, there's fighting words right there, you know. And, and it's like, why their mama? What about their dad? You know, don't say anything about the people's dads, you know? You know I don't care. If you say something about my mama, you know, we've got to step outside, right? It's kind of like, uh, you know, years ago, this guy wanted to sell us some um, uh, some uh, fire uh, fire alarms, and um, I'm going to uh, switch microphones here, Mr. Jared. I don't know what that interference is coming from, but so he wanted to sell us some fire or some smoke fire alarms, and so um, all right, so so you know, I thought, well, you know, and and, and you know, and what I've realized over the years, I didn't know this as much as back then. If people have to come to your house to sell something, it's going to be expensive, right? So, you know, you can't just order it online. It's going to be expensive, right? And so, you know, I'm thinking, okay, well, you know, he's talking about all this technology. Now, look, I'm an engineer, right? I would work. And so he's telling me this, and he says, well, they're really special. You do this, this. And I'm thinking, okay, well, I know how that works. I'm an engineer, right? I don't know how that works. Uh, and, and I said, well, you know, maybe we start with one, and, you know, we, you know uh, as fancy as this thing is. And I said, well, how much is one? He said, well, one fire alarm is $1,500, like fifteen hundred? Are you kidding? You could buy a thousand of them for fifteen. You buy a ten a ten pack for like eight bucks at Walmart or something. I don't know how much they cost. I haven't bought one in a while, but yeah, but they're not fifteen hundred dollars. And I said, you know, that's we're you know we're not going to get that. That's just too much money. And he looked at me and said, you don't care about your family. That's what he said. You don't care about your family. You want to step outside and say that, buddy? You know, I mean, you, say any, you can say anything about me you want to, but you talk about my family. You know, we're going to step outside. Uh, and you know, that's that's kind of. So there's something about this person that Paul had a hard time keeping his flesh under about. Whatever this was, they knew how to push Paul's buttons. You ever had somebody know how to push your buttons? That, you know, you can put up with anybody in the world but except for that guy right there. And maybe their voice or how they say words or maybe they laugh all the time. Ha, ha. You know, it's, ah, it's, it's, just, it's like, oh, I can't stand it when they laugh. You know, whatever it is. Well, that means you're infirmed. You have an infirmity about that particular part. You're weak. You're you're unable, or you're you have been unable. You by choice, of course, right? But for whatever reason, that person uh, really gets under your skin. Well, that's an infirmity, right? You 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 have not strengthened your flesh to resist the annoyance of that person, right? And so, whoever this person or people were that was annoying to Paul, it got to the point that you know, now see. Other times, you remember there in, in Acts 16, where the woman was, was kind of ragging after him there. And, um, and it says, after many days, Paul being angered, you know, spoke to, spoke to the Spirit. But why did he wait several days? Because he didn't have an unction to speak and cast out the devil until, because specifically, casting out devils uh, is, in that case like that, is done by special faith. Uh, and that's only done by the will of God, right? So you can't just uh, just cast out devils in that case the way he was doing that because he cast it out without her permission. And so that something like that can only be done by um, by special faith. Now, if someone comes to you and they say, hey, I want to get rid of this devil, well, you can do that just regular faith, right? Uh, and so he couldn't do anything about it until there was an unction to do something about it. And so there's no unction to do, obviously, to, to deal with this annoyance in his flesh by the Spirit and so he was having to tolerate, just like he had to tolerate the woman in Acts chapter 16. But eventually he got the unction to do something. But here he got no unction to do anything. So he was having to tolerate this person, didn't like it, and asked the Lord to do something about it several times. In uh, fact, he said three different times. And, it, and the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for thee. Well, so what's the Lord saying? The Lord's saying, it's just an annoyance. The grace I've given to you is sufficient to handle this annoying people. Uh, and you know, sometimes I just can't take it. You ever said that? You know, I just can't take it anymore. That is not true. Now, what is true is I'm not going to take it anymore. Okay, well, that's true, right? 
to say I can't take it anymore because that would violate verse 9, right? My grace is sufficient for you. Uh, and so if his, if his grace was sufficient for Paul, is his grace sufficient for you? If it was sufficient for Paul, it's sufficient for you. And it doesn't matter how annoying those people are, God's grace is sufficient for you to deal with that thorn in the flesh. Amen? Well, they keep, you know, doing whatever. And, um, you know, uh, I had, when I was doing jail ministry, uh, actually most of the people in jail were, were very respectful to us, you know, when we preached the gospel. And every, but I remember we had one guy just really rude, just rude, you know, just interrupt the service and, and you know, just breathe real heavy like, <sighs> you're right in the middle of service and, uh, but the good thing about preaching in jail is one of them looked at us, if you do that again, I'm going to kill you. you know? I mean, it's, it, they threatened him, right? They threatened his life. Uh, and uh, and it was effective. The guy quit doing it, you know. And so I'm thinking, hey, maybe we could do that in the church. You know, you do that again, we're going to tase you or we're going to, you know, do something to shoot you in a kneecap or something. You know, I mean, it, it worked really well in the jails. And so, uh, but, you know, whatever this thorn was, and he doesn't tell specifically, again, because of the word infirmity, uh, people say it's a sickness, and they go over to Galatians and find, you know, a fairly obscure verse and say, well, it was eye sickness. And th that's it. That's where they get the entire doctrine that, that, that Paul was sick and infirmed. You know, of course, we read that one, that one note from, uh, that was in Brother Bowser's book, but the guy said he was sick beyond measure. That's a pretty big leap from those two, you know, obscure references that aren't really clear about talking about sickness from that to he was, you know, major infirmity and pus coming out of his eyes. and couldn't even see. And, you know, if you felt like that, if, uh, you know, he said the pain you know, was, was beyond measure and all of these things. If that was true, uh, I mean, how many times have people stayed home because they got a toe ache? I can't do it. I got a toe ache. Uh, you think Paul was able to preach if he was really that sick? Uh, and, and if he was that sick and, and it was really that gross of just, you know, stuff, would you want to go hear Paul? And talk, you know, as he got all those gnats, he's like, you know, because that's all you see is like, look at his eyes, right? You know, I mean, you, you don't hear anything he's saying. You're like, wow, how does he see? How's he standing up like that? That's all you're going to be looking at. Uh, and, and, you know, they forget about, you know, normal human beings, you know. Uh, you know, I mean, if I get one hair out of my, uh, you know, out of place, you know, that's all you see all service. You don't hear a word I'm saying. It's like, is he going to fix that hair or not? Look at that. Does he even own a comb? What's wrong with him, you know? Uh, you know, you're, you're not going to be thinking about, what we're saying, you're going to be thinking about, wow, you know, let's, let's take it up an offering and buy the pastor a brush. You want to, you know? Uh, maybe we can do that after service. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and that's a minor thing. And it's Paul's preaching and the gallows pussing his people just. But, and that doesn't fit because we're going to read here about some of Paul's uh, other experiences here. But it, if you look at the whole counsel of God, that doesn't fit anywhere, you know? Because number one, there's nothing in the Bible that says we're supposed to ask God for healing anyway. Everything, everything we read in the New Testament is by his stripes you were healed. Well, then why do you need to ask God for that? Uh, lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. He didn't say go ask God first and they'll recover. He said, uh, he said just do it and they'll recover. So, uh, and you think, you think Paul knew that? Well, surely Paul knew that, right? Because uh, he, how many times did the Lord use Paul for healing? You know, uh, by the hands of Paul, God brought special miracles. Uh, so Paul knew all about the healing ministry. Uh, and uh, when he healed the man at Lystra there in Acts 14, uh, he said, stand up right on, on thy feet. He didn't say, let's pray and ask the Lord if it's okay to heal this man in his feet. There was no prayer. So why would, why would Paul operate faith and healing correctly in the, in the book of Acts and then go and ask God to heal him in, in the, the Scripture here? It doesn't fit with what we already know Paul knows. Now, we know Paul knows that because we see Paul operate in those things when he was uh, on the, uh, uh, the island there at the end of the book of Acts on, in Malta. He, he said he prayed for everybody. He went first prayed for the chief, got him healed, and prayed for everybody. Uh, does he ever ask God to heal these people? Uh, and so Paul knows that you don't ask God for healing. You don't have to ask God for healing. Uh, you just do it. Uh, and so... Uh, to, if, Paul said, I asked the Lord three times that it might depart from me. Uh, now, if it was if it was some sicknesses, uh, it would be a demonic presence, right? Uh, he knows that you don't ask God to to remove a devil from somebody. He told us to cast the devil out, right? Uh, and so in my name, they shall cast out devils, right? And then what he said, he didn't say, ask me and I'll cast out devils. He said, in my name, you shall cast out devils. 
So there's no request to heaven to cast out a devil. Uh, and, and so all of the, you know, everything that Paul is saying here would violate everything Paul's already done as far as with the doctrine that he's previously established. So it doesn't make any sense. It's not even a good, you know, it, it, well, that's, a, you know, that, okay, you've done a good, thorough job of studying the word, and I see your point, and that's not even a good job of studying the word. It's, it's, a, it's a hack job of studying the word. You just looked at a verse, made a conclusion, and said that's what it means without looking at any other context of the Bible. Uh, and, and it's really, you know, to me, it's kind of embarrassing that, you know, from a, a, as a student of the word of God, that people would say that. And I'm not mad at anybody or anything, but just uh, to be so adamant that, that Paul was sick over scriptures that don't really say that that strongly, uh, you know, is building uh, a very strong tower on a very weak foundation. Uh, and so, so Paul said these things, and of course he said, most gladly it would therefore glory my infirmities at the power of Christ may rest upon me. So he was just saying, you know, I may be weak in dealing with those kind of people, but the grace of God in me is strong enough to deal with that person. I'm going to take take uh, joy that, that in me, regardless if I don't like putting up with it. In other words, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Did he say that to the Philippians, right? And so, you know, he, he knows those things. And, and some of these things, Paul maybe took a while to learn, like you and I take a while to learn about those things, about, you know, dealing with people and dealing with circumstances. Uh, and so, you know, later on, I think we can see Paul's growth in faith, even in his own writings. And so... Uh, but he's talking about uh, at the end of verse 9 there and then verse 10. He says, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses. So right here, uh, everything uh, except for you can ignore infirmities for just a minute. But, he, you know, other scriptures talks about sickness and disease, you know, talks about uh, infirmities. And, and uh, you remember in the Old Testament, Isaiah 53, it says griefs and sorrows. Well, that's really uh, infirmities or sicknesses and diseases or really pains and diseases. Uh, and so we see other lists of things that include multiple types of ailments. But Paul, the only ailment here, if, it's, if it is an ailment, is the first one. The rest of them are similar annoyances, right? Reproaches, necessities, persecutions, and distresses. Uh, and so, uh, but if you lump in, uh, if, you, if you use the correct definition of the word infirmities that we see that, the other writers have used, that's really talking about things that, that you have a personal difficult time in dealing with. Uh, and whatever it is, right, whatever that thing is, then uh, you can rest upon the grace in you to, to deal with that. You know, for me, you know, I struggle with just foolishness. You know, people that are just foolish and, you know, uh, take, take the gospel, you know, in a very light way and, uh, and don't think much about it, don't think, you know, don't honor the Lord and the word and you know, that kind of foolishness. I have a hard time dealing with that. You know, people that are sincere but struggling, you know, I, ha I don't have a problem with that. But people that are, that are just foolish and, you know, just, eh, you know, church, you can go to church, not go to church, you know, no big deal. That, to me, that's foolishness. And I, I personally, I got a hard time dealing with that. You know, someone struggles with things, you know, for a long time. I, you know, have patience to help them for a long time, help them out. But other people, you know, the Lord can deal with everybody. You know, that's why he's called these long-suffering, amen? Long-suffering is, is the ability to, to help people over a long period of time and not shoot them in a kneecap, right? Uh, and so, so that's just one uh, particular list. Uh, but before we get to some other things, Brother Bosworth made a good point about where Jesus said there in verse 9, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. You know, we never see grace being used to heal anybody. Uh, in the context of my grace is there to heal you. Uh, we see grace is always used to strengthen you, right, to help you. It's God's ability working in you to accomplish his will in the earth. Uh, and we, we see it for salvation. We see it for other things. But we never see grace in the context of healing because grace is, in, is intended for your inner man. Uh, and so why would, in this one instance, would Jesus say, my grace is there for your sickness, but everywhere else, it's always used in other purposes. And so you typically don't build a doctrine over one verse. You have to build a doctrine over multiple verses and different books and different ways of saying things. Uh, and so God has never used the word grace in the context of sickness and disease. And yet people say, well, that's what it's for, to put up with sickness and disease. But there's never a case where the Lord's ever told that before, right? The, uh, there's never an instance where God said, 
my grace is there for you to put up with being sick. Uh, I mean, grace, uh, for by grace are you saved through what? Faith, right? So grace has to come by faith. How much faith do you feel like wa walking in when you're sick? All you feel like doing is laying down in, in bed, pulling the covers up over your head, right? Uh, and so, uh, so it, I thought he made a good point about that, that, that grace is used for the strength in your inner man. It's the power of God in you to accomplish his will on the earth. Uh, and it's the healing power of God that's there to deal with your sickness and disease. Of course, if you believe in the power of God, then we would understand that. But if you don't believe in the power of God or believe in the healing power of God, then you wouldn't even understand that, that statement, right? Uh, and so, and besides that, most people who believe that this sickness and disease are saying that uh, Paul was never allowed to get out of the sickness and disease uh, and that God gave him grace to live with that sickness and disease, which doesn't make any sense. Why would, because uh, he said, uh, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. That word power there is, is dunamis, right? It's a supernatural miracle working power of God. So it doesn't make any sense. You know, it just none of this makes sense, right, the way that some people believe this. Because if you had, if you had sickness, but then the supernatural miracle working power of God rested upon you, how can sickness and dunamis stay together in the same body. They can't stay together, right? One's got to give yield to the other one. So if you've got sickness and then the power of Christ comes upon you, then you no longer would be sick. It would, it, they can't stay, they can't cohabitate, right? Uh, and so now if we know like in Luke uh, chapter 5, it says that the power of God was present to heal him, heal them, but nobody took advantage of that except for the man who was born by his friends, right? Uh, and so, so a lot, if you believe that, that this is talking about sickness and disease, then what you're saying is that God didn't want Paul to be healed. He wanted Paul to stay sick, but he was going to supernaturally strengthen him to put up with sickness. But that's just, I mean, that's just dumb thinking. It doesn't even make any sense. Why would God supernaturally provide this assistance but not supernaturally provide this assistance, right? I mean, why was God... Because we have everything, right? We aren't we as children that we have the inheritance of God, right? Are we heirs of Christ, right? Joint heirs with Jesus. Are we heirs of God? Joint heirs with Jesus, right? And so we everything Jesus had, we have. We're joint heirs, right? We're not under heirs. We're joint heirs, equal heirs with Jesus, right? And so uh, that would mean that Jesus would have had to been sick sometime in his ministry, right? Because we'd have whatever he had, we have, right? And so of course we know Jesus was never sick. Uh, so, so I don't know how power of Christ, right, the supernatural miracle working power of God can rest upon you while you're sick and diseased, amen, because every time I've seen the power of God go into somebody, their sickness is gone, right, and people can reject it, they cannot yield to it, they can, they cannot uh, pursue it, and, and that's fine, but if he's got it, they can't, they, uh, you know, they can't cohabitate, right, that's, you know, it's the same thing people say, well, they're possessed with the devil, you know, even though they're a Christian, well, that's not possible, because the Spirit of God dwells in us. And you can't have the Spirit of God dwell in you and be fully possessed of the devil at the same time because you're already, in a sense, possessed of the Holy Spirit, right? You're not really possessed, but not in the same way that you are the devil. You, you've allowed the Spirit of God to come into you and to, to, uh, uh, to dwell in you, but then he seals you by the Holy Spirit, right? So you, uh, now can you be oppressed with the devil as a Christian? You can be, right? Can you yield to the devil as a Christian? You can. I've met many people that do that on a regular basis, but... But as far as being fully possessed where now a devil is in charge of your life, that's not technically possible with a Christian because the Spirit of God is in you. Because you can't have both at the same time. It, would not, it technically is not possible because that's why God set it up that way. He set up to be, he, to be uh, born again, seal our spirits by the, by the Holy Spirit so that nothing can get in uh, unless it's qualified to get in. And you think a devil's qualified to pass the seal of, of the Holy Spirit? No, I don't think so, right? Uh, and so, so uh, Paul uh, was talking about all those things, and um, we're in first, we're in Second Corinthians. Let's turn over to First Corinthians. So let's just look at a, a, a few things here. Um, in First Corinthians chapter four. So if Paul was that sick, right? Uh, you think Paul would have mentioned that somewhere else, right, in his writings? If, he's, if he was as sick as some people believe that he was, uh, to the point that people would look at him, I'd give my very eyeballs for Paul, right? 
Uh, and so, uh, but he says here in, in verse 11, uh, 1 Corinthians 4, 11, even unto this present hour, we both hunger and thirst and are naked and are buffeted and have no certain dwelling place. Okay, so, so nothing major here, but, you know, hunger and thirst and they're naked, so they're not well clothed. Uh, they're buffeted or beaten uh, and don't have any place to go, don't have a place to live or sleep. Uh, so, so he just uh, talked about a few things here. But in the next verse, he says, and we labor working with our own hands. We're reviled. Uh, being reviled, we blessed. Being persecuted, we suffer it. Well, that suffering sounds like uh, the suffering that from 1 Corinthians, right? Or 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, if he was persecuted, was the grace of God there to help him deal with the persecution? Sure it was, right? Being defamed, we, we entreat. You ever been defamed? Somebody say something, a lie against you? Oh, you know, they go to that church, right? Uh, uh, we entreat. You know, we we pray, pray for them. Uh, we are made as filth of the world and are uh, offscoring of all things un, unto this day. Uh, we're in First Corinthians. Uh, so anything about sickness and disease there? No. Turn us back to Second Corinthians chapter, uh, chapter 4 there. In Second Corinthians chapter 4, he said uh, in verse 8, We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of our Lord Jesus. Uh, it's really he's talking about being being beaten there uh, and really taking up his cross that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in the body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. Uh, that's the persecution that he was talking about, that life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. Tro so here he was troubled, perplexed, persecuted, and cast down. And he said, no matter what comes my way, I've got an answer for it, right? If I'm perplexed, I'm not distressed. Or if I'm troubled, I'm not distressed. If I'm perplexed, I'm not despair. If I'm persecuted, I'm not forsaken. And if I'm cast down, I'm not destroyed. Well, what causes him to be successful in those areas? The grace of God, right? The grace of God is what allows him to walk through these particular things. Uh, and so we're in chapter 4. Let's turn over to chapter 6 here. Again, nothing about uh, sickness and disease there. Uh, he says in verse uh, in Second Corinthians chapter 6, uh, and um, in verse 4, he said, But in all things, <coughs> approving ourselves as ministers of God in much patience, in afflictions, that's not sickness and disease, in necessities, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in watchings, in fastings. Anything about sickness and disease there? You think he would include that, right? In sickness and disease. I mean, how many weddings, you know, if you're in, in sickness and in health? Uh, you know, you, you weren't at our wedding, but, uh, well, Dora was at our wedding, actually, right? Did we have sickness and disease in our, in our wedding vows? You may not remember, but uh, I was there. We made sure that was not part of our, you know, in sickness and health, and, and it, what's the other ones? Uh, and poverty and, and what? And poverty and wealth, right? No, we just do health. You know, you, you stay with me in health and, and uh, wealth, right? Uh, and so we didn't do no sickness and disease and, and poverty and lack. What in the world, you know? Uh, now, it, uh, it Paul, but Paul did deal with some of that, right? Uh, but again, afflictions, necessities, distresses, stripes, imprisonments, tumults, labors, watchings, fasting. Any sickness and disease there? Seemed like a good opportunity to throw in a little bit of sickness and disease, right? I mean, you talk to a group of Christians for, for 10 minutes, and you're going to talk about sickness and disease. You know, I mean, they're either going to talk about the economy or how bad they feel. Uh, and uh, and it's usually a race to the bottom, right? Uh, you think you feel bad. I feel twice as bad as you. Uh, same chapter, just a few more verses down. Verse 8. Uh, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers, see people call Paul a deceiver, and yet true, as unknown yet well known, as dying and behold we live, as chastised and not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet, having, yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing all things. Anything about sickness and disease there? They might get a bit of good time, good opportunity. Oh, yeah, we feel bad. You think you feel bad. We feel twice as bad as you, right? Um, and then uh, one more list. So Paul never had a problem listing the things he dealt with, right? But, I mean, you know, uh, and then, you know, then he, he uh, really goes above and beyond in, in chapter 11 here. Um, in chapter 11, he says in verse... Uh, 
uh, 23, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labor, in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, prisons more frequent, deaths oft. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes save one. Uh, this thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck, a night in the, in the day I have been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of mine own countrymen, in peri perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Uh, and then in verse uh, 28, he says, Beside all these things that are without, which cometh upon me daily the care of all the churches, or the oversight of all the churches. So you'd think if Paul had this major eye disease, uh, that he would talk about sickness and, and, and uh, disease in his list of things. Uh, and so, uh, you know, the whole, if you look at the whole counsel of God, it's really not good uh, doctrine to say Paul was sick and disease. Amen. I mean, if it was true, if, it, if that's what it said, fine. You know, we'd have to we'd have to work through it. Uh, but he doesn't say that, right? Uh, and so, uh, in all of these things, uh, you know, Paul would have had an opportunity because, and especially in this case in chapter eleven, uh, you know, at the beginning of the verses, that what did he say there? Uh, he said, uh, "I speak as a fool." So he's kind of he's kind of humble bragging about himself, right? Oh, just, you know, I'm such a, such a labor for God, right? Uh, and, uh, you know, a lot of times when you get people, they think that it's, it's spiritual to brag about how sick they are, right? Uh, and, uh, you know, Paul could have been just like everybody else in, in the church that, that does that and bragged about, um, uh, about these things. And, and just one of the note where in verse 27 where he talks about painfulness, if you look up that word, it talks about a hard and difficult labor, toil, travail, hardship, and distress. So he wasn't talking about sickness and disease. He was talking about the, the difficulty of what he was doing, right, the task at hand. Uh, and Paul did have a hard life. I mean, from the time he started the gospel, he had a hard life because you think about travel back in Paul's day. You know, nowadays we're like, oh, it's going to be 15 minutes late for me to get on that plane. You know, and then you're going to fly around the earth in just a couple hours. Well, they would take months, you know, literally months to get anywhere, right? Uh, you know, they talk about... In, when he was going to Rome, they had to stay the whole winter uh, at one at one harbor, right? The whole winter they had to stay there. So they're going from point A to point B, and we're talking about half a year to get there, right? Because you got to travel for a month and then while well, there's winter, so now we got to stay right here for the until it stops snowing, and then we can keep on going. And nowadays, you know, if it's a rain delay 15 minutes, you know, oh my life is over. It's so hard, you know. Uh, so Paul did have a hard and difficult life because. It was necessary. It wasn't because God wanted him to be hard, but to go over there and preach the gospel was hard to get there. You, you know, to, uh, you remember the whole story with the shipwreck, right? And they were going to go, and Paul said, well, don't go. Well, we're going to go anyway, and okay. Well, then he shipwrecked. Well, you know, that's not an easy life. Uh, uh, I mean, some people, if that happened, you know, just one of these things, right? Paul was shipwrecked, and he said, the night and the day in the, in the deep. That's a long time, a day and a half to be in the water. Right? Sharks and monsters and jellyfish, you know. I mean, uh, people, a lot of people would get out of that situation and they would go retire. I can't take it anymore. Paul's like, it's just one thing. It's just, it, you know, it's just one. Now, he never said, if it ain't one thing, it's another thing, right? He wasn't believing God for sickness and disease or, or destruction and death, but he did recognize it and he's telling us the things that he went has gone through. But again, the whole point of it was the gospel had to be preached and he was the man to do it. Because how many of the Jews were hiding out in Jerusalem still? I mean, even, even after a decade of the church, they were still hiding out in Jerusalem. And so the Lord needed to Paul to bring the real gospel, the, the true, honest, the word of God to the people around the world. And it was difficult. It was hard to do. Uh, there were people that wanted to kill him. People wanted to stone him. People wanted to beat him. People wanted to lie on him, right? Uh, other places he talks about how his, 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 all of his countrymen had forsaken him. You ever had a friend leave you? Uh, well, you know, that's terrible. What about a whole country? Paul's entire country left him, right? Uh, that's pretty tough, right? Uh, and so, so, you know, Paul did have a difficult. And if you really are a person of faith, there will, be, there will be difficult things that come into your life. 
and that's what the, per the grace of God is, for, is there to deal with when people, uh, 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 what did he say about, uh, about lying? Uh, uh, you know, people said that he was a deceiver. How many people have quit life because somebody accused them of something they didn't do? Well, you're just a deceiver. Oh, I'm, never, I'm never preaching again. Uh, well, the grace of God was there to not stop. Amen. When people called him a deceiver. Um, and um, uh, and all of these things, right? I mean, sometimes he was hungry, right? Sometimes he was weary. Sometimes he was cold. Sometimes uh, he was naked. Sometimes he was in the wilderness. Sometimes uh, that uh, there were robbers around, right? Uh, and so, uh, and all of these things, you know, this is a long list of things, right? These are fairly unique in each list. This is a long list of trials and tribulations that Paul went through. Uh, and that's what the grace of God is there to deal with. Uh, and and that's why, you know, when I hear people say, I just can't take it anymore. And you look at the list of things, all these lists of things that Paul has gone through. It's like, have you gone through any of these things? One of these things? Have you ever been shipwrecked at night in the day in the deep? Well, yeah. But it was in a life raft. It was in a life raft, you know, but it was still, it was hard, you know. I mean, I, didn't, I couldn't watch my cable TV show, you know. I was off the grid. Couldn't get, couldn't get into Facebook at all. I mean, I don't even know what's going on. Uh, and, I mean, you know, maybe that's our difficulties we're going through, but uh, you know, Paul went through real serious uh, circumstances here. Uh, and sometimes, you know, I wonder about us, us in our comfortable life in America. Uh, and, um, you know, could we, really, could we really bring the gospel like Paul? You know, my, my pastor made an observation. It was an interesting observation. He said, you know, uh, if you, you want to find out how spiritual, how re uh, really spiritual people are, you wait till the third day on a mission trip. And then you'll see the reality of their life, right? First two days, everybody's spiritual. God is good. Everything's wonderful. But third day, reality sets in, you know. Uh, and I remember we traveled to Africa with some folks. About the third day, they were crying. Oh, it's so hard being here. What's so hard? You know, all the jelly's gone, you know, and, just, and it's just so hard. And, you know, the, the bed is so uncomfortable. And it's, and it's, you know, it's hot in our room. And, uh, I mean, it's just like, really? I mean, because I, mean, I was there. It wasn't really that hard. I mean, you know, I mean, none of it even qualified. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even make a list because I'd be embarrassed to make a list, you know. It's like, oh, you know, uh, there was only one dessert on the table at a time, and, you know, it's just, it's just so hard. And, uh, and um, uh, the, the funniest one, I think I've to told you the story before, but as we were going over to, uh, to Africa, one of the fellows was kind of bragging, you know. He said, he said, I'm from Texas. I can do anything, you know. I'm thinking... Is that in the Bible? You know, I can do all things through Christ because I'm from Texas. I mean, where's the faith in that? Is that faith? I mean, is there any faith in I'm from Texas? No faith. I'm from Texas right now. I don't know. What, is there something special about Texas? You go to Texas and you're tough. I mean, I don't know. You know, there's no tough guys in, in, in Tennessee. I, I don't know, you know. Um, and so I'm thinking, <laughs> he said that. I'm, I just made a note of that. You know, I think God's got a sense of humor, right? I, I think God's got a great sense of humor, you know. So we fly over there, right? We get over there, and because there was a big group of us, we had to be split up, right? Okay, you guys go over here, you guys go over there, you guys stay with them, you guys stay with them, right? And so I was with a group of folks, and, and, uh, and so where we're staying, the church, the pastor there, he was like a bishop over a bunch of other churches, and, and uh, they had bought a house and set it up just for missionaries. So we walk in the house, and it's got, you know, running water and regular bedrooms and our own bathrooms, and and a, a fully stocked refrigerator, and, and we bought, you know, because when you travel, you got to take food with you, right? You you don't you, know, you don't want to risk because you're gonna they're gonna you get over there and they're gonna feed you an eyeball or something, right? A spleen or you know uh, you know uh, maybe a you know uh, uh, who knows what, right? Um, and so, uh, but maybe a gallbladder. Who knows what you're gonna eat, right? If you go over there, and, and so you you bring pop tarts, you know, because pop tarts go th go through a nuclear war. They're still gonna be around, and uh, so you know you bring. You know, you bring stuff that you can eat, and so just in case, right? Well, we didn't have to eat any of it because not only was the was the kitchen, the refrigerator fully stocked, but every night since we were close to the pastor's house, he'd have a big spread: fried chicken. I mean, it was like being at home: fried chicken, mashed potatoes. Great. I mean, it, the whole works, right? Just like a banquet table. Well, that's you know, all of us not from Texas got to eat that, right? Well, the one guy from Texas, he had to go with this other pastor, and he didn't get a room. He got a cot, not a bed, a cot. You know, the fold-up army cots, right? It's not a mattress. It's just basically a piece of material between two, two metal rods, and that was his bed. 
and uh, and no, they wanted a bedroom. So during the day, he had to vacate, right? Because that's the office of the pastor, and so you had to, you couldn't, you know, you couldn't sleep in, and so, uh, and then his bathroom was outside down the hill. No running water, no electricity, no paper products. You had to, you had to, you know, smuggle in your own paper products, right? And, and the shower, no hot water, right? Uh, and so, uh, and, and and no food. So he's eating all of his supplies, and we haven't touched ours, right? He's eating like the second day, he he'd eaten all of his food, right? And so he asked the, the he asked the pastor to drive me somewhere. Hey, can we stop at the little market? Let me get no, you, no, you know. And so now he's starving, right? Not, not starving like Paul was starving. Now, Paul was really starving, right? He's not starving. He's starving because he, he ran out of beanie weenies, right? Uh, and so about the third or fourth day, you know, of course, because we're all super spiritual people, we just started ragging him. We started bragging about all the things we're eating. Oh, man, it's, we got so much food we don't know what to do with. We, we just threw out a whole chicken leg. Just, we looked at it just threw it out because we were so hungry, you know. We had so much food, you know, and, and um, uh, just really, I mean, just, you know, just, you know how you do, right? Because that's important to do that, right? Make somebody feel really bad. Uh, and so, uh, I mean, we're just ragging on him because, you know, he brought, oh, I can handle anything. Second day, you know, he's like, I can't take it anymore. <laughs> and so he said, I'm going back with you guys. And we're like, there's no room. We've got this little car, right? We're all, the car's full. There's no room. He said, I'm going with you guys. Uh, and so uh, after the service, he just abandons the pastor, right? He just leaves and, and uh, he's going with us. Because we were at that pastor's church that night, you know, and, and so he gets his stuff. Uh, and, uh, of course, he's not bringing any food back because he already ate it all. Uh, and so uh, he's going to go with us. Well, there's no, I'm getting in that car. So he's squeezing. He's not a small fella, right? He squeezes in that, that car, uh, and, and the car is now so full. Every time we hit a bump, the wheel would, would hit the wheel well, right? Just bump and grind, and, and we thought the car was going to come apart, but he's going to make it. And so we finally get back to our plush, you know, uh, little area that we're living in, and and um, uh, and and I never heard him cuss, but he I think he got really close. I think it was just right. He walked in, saw all the you know the the electricity, running water, bathrooms, you know, uh, the refrigerator there, and everything like that, and and, and uh, <laughs> he just and see I think all that is just uh, just the, the the humor of God. I think he oh yeah, because anybody could have ended up with that pastor, right? Anybody could have ended up on that in in that cot there in the room. Uh, but uh, some of the other people just, like I said, third day crying, just crying. It's so hard. You know, we can't sleep at night. And just, oh, it's so hard. And, and, uh, um, and of course, you don't know any of them. But, uh, but and, and, you know, part of, part of me is when I see these verses that, that Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for you, you know, I believe that. Paul was able to go through all these difficult situations because of God's grace. And when we whine and complain about how hard our lives are, we're saying that God's grace is not sufficient for me. We're saying, I, can't, I just can't do it anymore. And you hear people say that, I just can't do it anymore, as if God's grace has run out. And I'm just convinced that no matter what you're called to do, you have the grace to do it, always, always, all your life, you have the grace to do it. And, and to say anything else, you know, now, now, could you talk about the, the problems you've gone through? Well, Paul talked about all of them, didn't he? I mean, there's a lot of problems that he's gone through, right? Uh, uh, all the uh, prisons more frequent and you know, not not prison singular prisons plural right how many prisons did paul go into we don't know but it sounds like it was a lot right uh and so how many times he was he arrested and drug away uh i mean if that happened to any one of us many times we scarred for life and paul's like i got the grace no big deal uh, the power of christ rests upon me yeah, and so uh so you know just be careful especially if you're around me, start whining and complaining about how hard your life is. I mean, I just, because I compare, you know, later on, one other verse Paul said uh, that uh, uh, he calls them light afflictions. Light afflictions. That's what he called them. Now, he mentions them all, but other, other times light afflictions. In other words, they're a small inconvenience of life compared to the greatness of God. You know, when you call something, because uh, for us, any one of these things, that's all we'd ever talk about. Oh, you remember that time I was in prison? Yes, I know. I know. I mean, you know, you all know Brother Randy. Uh, he doesn't talk about being in prison every time you hear him. Sometimes you, he preaches a whole message, doesn't even mention that he was in prison. But it was a big thing of his life, right? big part of it because it's how he got started with the Lord, really, when he was in prison. Uh, and yet, But it doesn't consume him. Uh, and so, you know, I, I, I remember I, I was uh, talking with a lady one time, and she was, every time I'd see her, 
she would complain about how hard her job was at work. A and, you know, if you didn't know, if you just heard, you know, the complaining part, you thought, man, she must be, you know, like a ditch digger or, you know, uh, plowing the North 40 by hand or, you know, having to uh, pluck strawberries in a 100-degree weather or something, you know. I mean, really hard work maybe, you know, she had to dig septic tanks with a, with a spoon or something, you know. Uh, no, she worked in a bank, uh, but her, heart, her life was hard because people were not nice to her every time. Uh, and, you know, it's like, but you work at a bank. I mean, how hard could it be? But it, it, every week it's just like, oh, it's just, oh, I don't know if I can make it or not, you know. And I would try to encourage her, you know, and I really had to, had to resist saying, would you grow up, you big baby? Because you're complaining about working in a bank in an air-conditioned building every single day, getting to sit down every single day. You get to go to work, and yeah, maybe somebody is not as polite to you as you'd like them to be, and that's the worst part of your life. Uh, and yet, then you listen, you go read Paul's afflictions, and you hear that he calls them these light afflictions, uh, and you're embarrassed to ever mention. You got any problems? Nope, I got no problems. After reading Paul, I got no problems. Right. Uh, and really, that's, that's where we should get because God's grace is always there. Yeah, if someone's mean to you at work, God's grace is there. If somebody says something about you at work. You know, I have been accused of some of the worst things you could ever imagine. Worst things. Some things I won't even repeat because if I repeat them, tell you what I've been accused of. You think, well, I wonder if he did that, you know. <laughs> so, so there's some things that, you know, my wife knows about them and other people know about them. But there's things, things I would never even repeat that I've been accused of because, People, you know, you, I mean, nowadays you're you're guilty before you're even charged. Now everybody's like, "What has he done?" Or you know, uh, but you know, I've been accused of lying and you know, stealing and cheating and those types of things too. Uh, uh, oh yeah, one time they they accused me of sabotaging the sound booth, right, uh, and and to mess it up intentionally so that I had to be the one to fix it. You know, uh, at one time one of the praise and worship singers said, "Well, I know you you uh, 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 on a regular basis would would." Uh, uh, mix my microphone badly, you know, uh, on purpose. Well, that's not even true, you know. I mean, but they said it as if it was a fact. Well, I know you did that. I know you did that. Really? I mean, you got photographic evidence because you don't, right? One time, they, they went and took uh, a bunch of color photographs and then printed out a stack of photos of the sound booth so they could watch when I messed up, so they could watch when I would intentionally mess it up. But, of course, I never intentionally messed it up. So they spent all that money, and they, 8 by 10s right? It wasn't just, you know, the little snapshots. It, they printed out 8 by 10 pictures of the sound booth so they could have photographic evidence of my misdoings, you know. Uh, and, and they said, you sneak up here during the week, right? And so not, dur not during the service, but during the week, I'd sneak up here and, and intentionally sabotage the sound booth. Uh, and it's like, well, just take my key. I mean, all you could do is just take my, you know. <laughs> If you really believe I'm doing that, why aren't you firing me? That's just stupid, right? You intentionally sabotage this time, but please keep on working there. Please keep on doing your job, you know. Uh, but it was just there to, to lie on me, you know. And so, but my, the grace of God was there for me to deal with those lyings, right? The, the people lying against me and that. And so, uh, but, uh, you know, if, uh, uh, if we could just really read Paul's writings and read all of it. He's not talking about six disease, any of his writings. He had a, a perfect opportunity. It's been a great opportunity, especially in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, to list, and besides all of these things, I can't even see. I can't, I, my, I'm nearly blind because of the sickness and disease, and yet I still preach the gospel because I'm better than all of you, because he said in labors above all of you, right? Because he's kind of, he's kind of doing a comparison here. It's like, well, you all, a big bunch of babies whining, complaining about everything. Look at all the stuff I'm doing and all the stuff I have to suffer with and still doing the work of God. I mean, that would have been a great time to add sickness and disease right there. And yet he doesn't talk about sickness and disease. Uh, and so to, to say that Paul was ever sick and diseased at all, now, had he ever been uh, any sickness and disease? We don't know. But if he ever did, I, I believe God, he was healed because he knew the healing power of God. Uh, and so you think the devil ever tried to make him sick? I'm sure that the devil did try to make him sick. Uh, and so, so we're, we're about done with uh, Paul's thorn in the flesh. Uh, well, I don't know. We got a bunch more. Uh, well, maybe not. I don't know. We see quite a few more things about that. So, uh, but but I really liked uh, those lists of of uh, uh, things that Paul went through because all of those things are covered under the grace of God. Dealing with all of the things that he mentions there are all covered by the grace of God. 
And, and it may have been that Paul said, you know, Lord, I would just like to have a, a nice place to sleep at night. And is there anything wrong with having a nice place to sleep at night? Well, nothing wrong with it. But, you know, if you've got to go, if you're traveling, sometimes there's not a nice place to sleep, you know. And, of course, in our country there is. But you go overseas, and, and there may not be a nice place to sleep at night, right, uh, And uh, compared to what you're used to sleeping in, right? Now, over there, it may be, uh, you know, like a king's ransom to sleep in some of the places you do. Uh, but compared to what we, we sleep at here, so there may be a lot, you know, we don't know specifically what it was, but it, from the context, uh, as far as I could tell, it was some person or some people that uh, probably were following Paul and trying to ruin his, his ministry. Uh, and, uh, you know, there are people that go into churches with the intention of destroying that church, right? Uh, th- there'll be visitors, uh, and um, they'll come in and try to destroy the service. You know, they'll try to interrupt the service, right? Uh, and so uh, some of those things Paul had to suffer with, and he didn't want to suffer with it. And he asked the Lord to, to, to take it away, and the Lord said, I already told you, you've got the grace. And I'm sure Paul's like, yeah, I know. I just, you know, just checking to see if it's not an option, right, to get rid of this, whatever this thorn in flesh was, uh, he wanted to get gone, get it out because that thing, whatever that thing was, whatever that, that thing that a person was doing to him, that thing was a weakness in his part that he just had a hard time dealing with whatever that thing was. Other things didn't seem to have a problem with it. You know, he lists them all, you know. Uh, but whatever that thing was that was a thorn in his flesh, he just really had an infirmity or a weakness in dealing with that one thing. And, and he asked the Lord to basically to not have to deal with that. And that's why the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you. So the grace of God is always there to help you in in your life. Amen. And that's really that would be helpful if we would remember that in our day to day lives, that whatever we're doing, if we're in the will of God and we happen to be we have we have uh, we we happen to be suffering in that moment in the will of God, especially by the hands of somebody else, that we should remember, you know, I've got the grace to do this. People are lying on me. People are saying bad things about me. I've got the grace to do it. Uh, how many people have quit because somebody said something unkind to them? Uh, and, and they forgot they had the grace of God to deal with that. Amen. Uh, and so Paul had the grace. So uh, so we'll, we'll finish up uh, with Paul. Uh, Brother Balthus still has a few more things that he wants to talk about in that. And I think they're the good things there. So we'll just see how far we've got to go with that. Uh, but... Um, uh, let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God. Father, we thank you that uh, your grace is sufficient in all the things that we deal with, Father, in this life. All the people that we deal with, Father, in this life. All the circumstances that we deal with in this life. Father, if we're in your perfect will, but our circumstances aren't perfect, we still have the grace of God to deal with it. So, Father, we thank you for the great power of the grace of God. You said that the grace of God is the power of God, the supernatural miracle working power of God resting upon us, Father, to help us deal with our weaknesses. And so, Father, we thank you that we have the strength, the ability, Father, to to deal with every weakness, Father, in this earth. You've given to us. It's a gift, Father. And we thank you for that. And we give you all the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. You know, it's uh, um, uh, the, the thing I do like about the studying is it helps me to grow up because I don't ever want to be the whiner, right? My life is so hard. Uh, you know, after reading all of Paul's things, like, my life is so easy. Uh, none of these things I've had to deal with, right? I mean, I've, I've had people lie on me uh, and call me deceiver, uh, that type of thing. But as far as the other things, you know, uh, at night in the day in the deep and shipwrecks and, you know, beatings uh, in prison. I've never been sent to prison. Uh, but, um, you know, there's some pastor, he got arrested in, in Canada, did you hear that? Uh, he got a, he put in jail because he's preaching the gospel. And he doesn't want all these, he, he called them Nazis, all the trying to get into his church service, you know, and do the COVID stuff. Like, well, they can come on a Tuesday afternoon, but no, they don't want to come. They want to come right in the middle of his church service uh, and, uh, and interrupt the service, right? They're not just sitting on the back. They want to interrupt the service and count heads and check everybody out and just be disrespectful to the Lord. Uh, and he's not putting up with it. So they finally arrested him. Well, the grace of God is there to, for him to deal with that, right? Uh, it's, it's amazing that in our, and you know, uh, I mean, we're not in Canada, but, you know, they're, they're kind of like a, you know, a uh, stepchild of America, right? No disrespect to Canada, you know, but, uh, but um, you know, they're very similar to America. Uh, 
But uh, for something like that to happen over there, it, that's just crazy, right? To them arrest a pastor uh, for, for preaching the gospel. And even in our country, there have been pastors that have been threatened with arrest for preaching the gospel, right? Uh, in, I know over in, in England, some pastors get arrested for preaching uh, about, uh, uh, you know, godly marriage, right? There's a, you know, a man and a woman, and they call it hate speech. Uh, and they'll, they've arrested people for stuff like that. Uh, and so... Uh, you know, it, it's but if it ever comes to that, if they come to me and say, well, if you, you got to stop preaching about, you know, uh, godly marriage or whatever, we're going to arrest you. Whatever, you know, go ahead and arrest me. No, no big deal at all. Right. Because the race of God is there to deal with it. Uh, and so uh, so praise God. Uh, uh, so just remember that the next time you want to complain about, you know, the biscuits are burned or the TV show is late or, you know, uh, the red light is just uh, five seconds too long. Uh, just remember that in the next time you think about something like that and then compare your life to Paul's, right? And that'll help all of us grow up, amen? And so let's get ready to receive this afternoon's offering. Uh, and uh, grace is not there for healing. Healing power is there for healing. Grace is there for dealing with people, right, and circumstances. And so come ahead, Mr. Jared, uh, and receive the offering. Now, I understand that, uh, you know, faith can be used to change your circumstances, but uh, you know, you, you can't change the circumstances if you're in somebody else's area, right? So if, if you go to an area to preach the gospel and there's no comfortable hotels, you can't just believe God for a hotel to appear out of nowhere, right? So you may have to sleep on the ground for a night to preach the gospel. So that's, and that's really what Paul was talking about in those things, that if you're going somewhere and, you know, you can't change their circumstances, you can change your circumstances, but you can't change theirs by faith. That's up to them to change by faith. So sometimes you've got to put up with other people's circumstances in order to preach the gospel to them. Uh, and if, you, if that's necessary, then the grace of God is there to deal with it. Amen. Uh, and so praise God. Be blessed. Have a wonderful weekend, Lord, and you're dismissed.